I really wanted my kids growing up to be different than my own. And so I grew up in dysfunction and not church. And I wanted them to grow up in church and not dysfunction. And unfortunately, I kind of blended the two because I didn't get healed early enough to really affect that change as much as I'd hoped with my kids. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, and welcome to Altered Stories Show Podcast, Episode 8. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Michelle Renee Gutch, founder of Altered Stories Ministry. Altered Stories Ministry is a new Christian women's talk show ministry that helps women share their God stories so women across the world can hear them. But today I'm so excited because I have the opportunity to speak with Annie Allen from the KC area. I love it when I have in-person conversations, and I was blessed to meet Annie at a KC Women's Leader Missional Network lunch. Annie has also helped me enhance her Altered Stories Ministry logo, and will be helping with creating some of our future marketing promo info, like our pins and journals. And she also helped me create our tagline, which is Be Heard, Be Healed. Now, let me share a little bit about Annie with you. She is a mover and a shaker and one multi-talented type A gal. She's a divorced mother of two, a grandmother of one, attends Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, and is building a new later in life career as a divorce real estate consultant. That's cool. We will talk further about her God journey in our conversation today. She did endure a long toxic marriage and a very difficult divorce. Also, as part of Annie's divorce recovery efforts, she earned a certificate in Christian counseling and then God led her to a very unique opportunity to get specialized training by Harvard Stanford graduate and Vanderbilt professor Kelly Lise Murray, JDE, to become a designated consulting, assisting women in navigating real estate decisions of divorce in ways that most people don't think about. Annie also hosts a Facebook blog page called Truth and Grace Healing, where she shares encouragement of all kinds for those enduring or leaving toxic relationships. And Annie, I have loved those. I've seen them out there and I thumbs them up. They're really profound. She also leads a women's relationship recovery support group called Starting Over Stronger at her church. So, Annie, let's get started. So, Annie, can you tell me where your faith story began? Well, I did not grow up in church. I grew up in dysfunction. I didn't attend church until age 13. And even then, it was through high school. It was all just sort of a social thing for me. And then I left the church until the age of 22. And what drew me back, I think, is what draws most people to church or to the Lord. Pain, um, unmet needs, just 
emptiness. Um, I, w- I had been married at this point for six months and I already wanted to get divorced and I was just crying out to God. And I, and I was at a Christmas Eve service. So it's very easy for me to remember the date was 1224 of 1995. And I just felt God's calling and I walked that aisle and prayed the prayer of salvation. And, and I've, followed and loved God to the best of my ability since that day, 23 years ago. That has not always looked pretty. There's been a lot of dark days, depressed days, distracted days, and still a lot of dysfunctional days. <laughs> but I have followed him and wanted to serve him since then. And, and in fact, to the point that I really wanted my kids growing up to be different than my own. And so I grew up in dysfunction and not church. And I wanted them to grow up in church and not dysfunction. And unfortunately, I kind of blended the two because I didn't get healed early enough to really affect that change as much as I'd hoped with it, my kids. But um, my prayer is just that the, that the next generation, my grandkids might grow up in church and not in dysfunction. So hopefully that, you know, God will answer that prayer, but, um, there's a lot of healing work going on in my family and my kids right now. And, and I'm just praying each day for God to keep doing what he, what he does best. Heal broken hearts. And he will, <laughs> yep. he will honor that. And thank you for your authenticity. Can you describe a little more about your story that led you to become a divorce real estate consultant? That is a long story because it it started with the fact that I went through my own divorce, obviously. I didn't have a bad outcome with my divorce, really. I felt like I had a lawyer who was very good at what she did and got a very fair settlement for me. So that part went well. But then what the next step in that journey was just finding myself in it with an opportunity because of my divorce and having been a stay-at-home mom and wife for all these years. I had a new degree that I'd just gotten that year, but I didn't have a lot of luck finding a job. Mm-hmm. People don't, it doesn't matter if you have a degree, if you just got it last year and you you don't have the career experience to back it up. And so I found it, I found it very difficult to find a job. It's unfortunate, but that happens yeah. a lot. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. And because I couldn't find a job, I thought I'm going to have to work for myself. And what do I want to do? And I'd, I'd done a lot of writing, editing, graphic design work, which like I did for Altered Stories. I love doing that. I still do that on the side. Um, but I wasn't getting the traction with that that I that I'd hoped. And so I suddenly one day found myself with an opportunity to get into real estate with an old a friend of a friend that had been in business for 30 years and wanted, because she was getting ready to retire, she wanted to train someone and, and have them shadow her and learn the whole business from her. And uh, I went to my mentor about it. And I'm like, you know, I, it's not like I've always wanted to be a real estate agent or anything. It just felt like that's what I needed to do. And I just couldn't let it go. I didn't, I couldn't, forget about it. It just yeah. kept niggling at me like this is what you God need to voice. do. Yeah. So I went and got my real estate license and then started working in real estate and then very quickly found that it's really highly encouraged to have a niche in real estate because when you help anybody and everybody, it's hard to get the person that you really want, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, one day I was out following my mentor, um, at showings and we were just having a casual conversation and she said something that kind of caught me that I didn't really ever think about. She said, a lot of real estate is not happy. 
people move because they got divorced or somebody died or they lost their job or there's a a lot of... We had a really bad situation, just so you know. Yeah. When we were in Colorado, we we were the benefit of a very unfortunate situation and we bought a home and the woman was going through a divorce and you could just feel it in the home mm-hmm. and there were, you know, walls where they'd been punched in and, you know, it was just, she wasn't happy about having to lose the property. Yeah. And so what you're saying is so true. And it's been our experience, you know, at least when we purchased property. So there's some happy occasions to move, but there's also a lot that's sad. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me because I, have my certificate in Christian counseling and I hadn't really used that yet, but I've always felt like I had a calling to help people who are hurting and struggling. And so, and so I suddenly realized this is my niche. I need to help people through difficult life transitions. Mm -hmm. And then with my own being divorced, that just kind of seemed to happen. And one day somebody came to me about this training um, to get the RCSD designation, which is a real estate collaboration specialist for divorce. I just knew I had to do it. And I flew all the way to California, took my son with me and made a vacation of it. We had a great time, got the, got the training that I needed and then just have come back and hit the ground running. And, and it just is continuing to develop, but it's turning into more of a consultancy where I'm coming alongside people who are going through divorce, helping them to gather the necessary data to make a fully informed decision about whether or not to keep the house. And then if they decide to sell, great, I'll sell it for them. If they choose to move and want to buy something new, I'll be glad to help them with that. But my focus is helping them through the divorce and getting the information they need to make a good decision about that because most people aren't doing that. Wow. So, you know, you've shared what kind of led you to becoming a divorce real estate consultant and being able to pick up the pieces of your divorce and then moving forward Can you share with my listeners today what actually led to a divorce in your marriage? It was a long time coming. Uh, It was very, the 30 years that I was with him were very up and down. It was a roller coaster. I often would say if it weren't for the good times, there's no way I would have stayed through the bad ones. But it always was this cycle that I somehow ended up on and never saw until I came out of a fog, I guess. Um, And I went to counseling with him and by myself for almost a decade before I finally decided that I had to get a divorce. And I didn't want to. I, I wanted to make things work. I tried so hard to make things work. He was my high school sweetheart. He was the only person I'd ever been with. I, we had two children together. I wanted the happily ever after. And the good times were so good that I felt like if we can just figure these things out, we can fix them. But what I came to realize through all that, those years of counseling, it did nothing to heal my marriage, but it did everything to heal my own mind and my own heart. I 
dealt with my childhood issues from years of dysfunction and abuse in my childhood home and realized what led me into the marriage that I ended up in and understanding more about the dynamics of, of uh, the type of toxic relationship that I was in and how controlling and manipulative that it was, that all of that you know, the more I learned about personal responsibility and about boundaries and about just biblical forgiveness and all of these things, it just over this course of time just came became clear that these are patterns and they don't change. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for and, you know, I went to several different counselors, all of them Christians, but all of them would come to the same conclusion. You're doing everything that God is making clear for you to do, but you can't do his part. He has to do his part. Mm -hmm. And so we wait and hope and pray, but nothing would change for any length of time. Sometimes it would change drastically for periods of time and be really good for a while. But that pattern just kept repeating. And so when I finally realized that I had to end my marriage was when we were on that pattern again, and I saw it coming back around. And I just couldn't get back on it again. I couldn't believe the lies that things were going to change because I could see what I couldn't see before. I could see the truth that this was manipulation and it wasn't real. And that was really hard to accept. So would you say that you were in an emotionally abusive marriage? Yeah. Emotionally and psychologically. Psychologically. And so... When you made the decision to leave the marriage, was it on his part understood or did he take any responsibility? When I was done, I was done. And I remember people telling me for the probably the two years leading up to it when I didn't even have my own. I had moved up into my own bedroom. Um, We were still going to counseling and trying to make things work, but we weren't living the life of a married couple. And. When it came time for it, it honestly, it was kind of, I, I don't know. He came to me one day and said we, he was trying to argue about the latest, whatever the latest what thing was. And I wasn't engaging. I was just letting him say what he needed to say so that I could get out of the room. And he looked at me and I don't know if he sensed something different about me or what. And he just looked at me and said, you're done, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, you have you already hired a lawyer? And I said, no, but I'm talking to lawyers and I will be. And then. Really, the only thing that he did beyond that was one day he sent me one text message while he was out of town late at night, probably when he was drinking, and said, I realize what it is that I'm doing wrong. I'll go back to counseling. I'll fix it. And it was so weird. It was such a, uh, I don't, a surreal moment because I read that text and I was like, I could remember getting that almost that word for word text or message from him all the other times that pattern repeated that exact saying Mm -hmm. and I knew it wasn't true and so I just replied back and said I don't think you understand there's nothing you can do or cannot do that's going to change the outcome this marriage is over it has been for a long time and I'm filing Mm -hmm. so I did and he didn't ever fight it and I found out later that he had probably been with someone already at that point. And for whatever reason, he wasn't willing to be the one to pull the plug. He wanted me to be the bad guy. And 
I'm okay with that because honestly, I had to get to the point where I knew that I would be losing family. I would be losing friends. I would be losing a reputation because he would probably say things to people about me that weren't true to protect his own ego and his own reputation. And I had to be okay with that. Whoever wanted to believe what he would say could believe it. And that would be their choice. And I would be okay. I was going to, I have so much support. I have uh, two or three really, really close friends that are like my mom and my sister that I don't have in real life that have become my family and truly supported me in incredible ways throughout this process. And I knew I would be taking losses when I filed. And I knew that it would be hard and it was, but I was always surrounded by a circle of support. Well, I know when I went through my divorce, I had a situation of unfaithfulness and, you know, I did get counseling from my pastor and those around me. And, you know, they said to me, you know, in the word of God, when there's been unfaithfulness and abuse, things like that, you have the right to choose to forgive and stay if there is a reason or you have the right to move on. Yeah. And on that, I will tell you that I, um, it was on June 1st of 2016. I always remember that because it's 6116. It was the day that I felt God release me from my vows. And I knew that from that moment on, if I chose to fight for the marriage, that was fine. But if I chose to end it, I had God's blessing on that because I had cried out to him so many times asking him to release me from my vows. And he absolutely did that day. And I will never forget that because that was probably the biggest thing holding me back. There was a lot of fear about how will I support myself? How will I deal with the total change of lifestyle? Because my ex made a lot of money and I didn't even know how I was going to get a paycheck. So I knew there was going to be this huge shift for me emotionally, financially, in every other way. But I knew if I was okay with God, I would be okay. And that day came on June 1st of 2016. Now my marriage didn't end until almost three, two years later. So, (laughs) but you know, that's interesting. So Annie, what a brave woman you are. I'd like to know from um, you, what scripture really resonated with you or has resonated with you through this because you stepped out in faith and trusting God and knowing that, you know, God had a different plan for you and that it was time for you to move on because you were in a bad, bad situation. You talk about leaning into your faith a little, but was there a scripture there were actually a few, but whenever I think of my favorite verse, I always think of Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think of that because it means something probably different to me than anybody else might interpret that. But when I think about that, I think about the fact that the desires of my heart were put there by God. So for me to delight in him and to expect that he's going to give me the things that I need and want has everything to do with just having that worldview and that personal relationship with him where what I want is what he wants. And so there's not that conflict of, um, I think about a lot of times with the, like the 10 commandments, you know, a lot of people might view those as a set of rules. I look at it like this amazing, 
promise of God that for his protection, if you'll do these things, these are the, these are the top 10 things that hurt people. Don't do these things because I don't want to see you hurt any more than you already have to. (laughs) And so that to me is what is all wrapped up in the whole delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Stay in these guidelines and you are going to have the best life you can have. But beyond that, honestly, probably what really has made the biggest difference as I went through the journey of of my marriage ending was uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. And that happened when I was in counseling at uh, Living Foundation Ministries in Blue Springs. My counselor was Sheila Benzon, and she said to she just said this scripture to me one day, but it's it just echoed in my mind and my heart for for so long after that because she said it to me in a version that I hadn't heard it in before, and it just sounded so different to my ears, and 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 it stuck. and And what God did with that is amazing, and I know He still is going to make me write a book about this someday. I've been working on it, but it just hasn't come together yet. But um, it will. It will. <laughs> it will. Um, but it is. Um, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will have the peace of God, which exceeds anything we can understand. Mm -hmm. And so what developed out of that was I saw this clear, like four step thing that I needed to do in my prayers. Don't worry, but pray, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And so for years, I filled probably 20 journals journaling my prayers every day with that structure. I would start out writing down all my worries because I wanted to get them all out of my head. So I'd write them all down and then I'd turn them into prayers. I'd turn each worry into a prayer. And then I would literally list everything I needed from God. And I thought at the time, why do I have to tell God what I need? He knows what I need, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's what the word says. Tell God what you need Mm -hmm. and thank him for all that he's done. So no matter how bad things look that day, I ended those prayers with thanks for the things that he was doing that were hard and the things that were good. And that became such an anthem for my life, just working my prayers through that scripture. Mm -hmm. And it truly did give me God's peace. Like it says in verse seven, then you will have God's peace. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is a clear if then, if you do these things, Mm-hmm. then you will have my peace. And therefore, if you don't, you won't. Mm-hmm. And it, and I shared that with some friends and I had other friends tell me that they experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I realized, okay, I have to share this. I have to tell people, <laughs> Tur- turn this into a prayer. <laughs> that's probably why you want, you encouraged me to get journals and pens. Yes. Although I will <laughs> say I've always journaled and prayer journal. It's just something about the healing process mm-hmm. And seeing how far you come through it, I mean, it's just very profound. Yes. So I think that's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about how your life is now in terms of, you know, your perspective on immersing yourself again into, you know, the dating world. I mean, you're now through the divorce, you're building your business, your consulting business, you're, of course, now a rockin' grandma. You don't <laughs> even look like a mother, hardly, and you're a grandma. I'm so envious. Um, um, and uh, so can you share a little bit about your 
kind of your perspective of what it's like getting out there now? And, it, it, you know, you're a Christian, obviously, wanting to date another Christian. Mm-hmm. Were you comfortable? Well, I tell you what, it's a whole new world. Uh, yes. <laughs> I have not done a ton of dating. Um, I've been pretty disappointed with what I have done <laughs> until um, just late last year. I met somebody and, and uh, things are going well with him. I will say it as part of healing my mind. It's amazing to be with somebody that loves real. Their love is real. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it doesn't matter how many times something happens that makes me think, oh, here we go. This is just the past repeating itself. My mind does these tricks on me where I believe that nothing should be believed. Like, you know, like my, my mind is still healing and, and I, I've learned enough that I know I can trust my instincts, but at the same time, I still question everything, but there's a time for everyone. And it's not the same. I mean, I, I can remember when I first was going through the divorce and it was final in early last year that I, I remember my counselor saying, wait a year, even two years, maybe. And I was like, well, where, where do I start that time? Like, is it from the time I left the house, the time the divorce was final, <laughs> the time I moved to my own room, you know, right. wh- what's the cutoff, you know? So I, I would try to rationalize it in my mind thinking I didn't want to wait that long. But then really when it came down to it, dating became more like just something fun to do, just to get out there and meet people. I didn't feel an urgency to find the one. I just, mm-hmm. I just wanted to enjoy life. Like I, for, for one thing, for several months after my divorce was final, I was just busy working. I had to be, you know, right. and I still am, but I started dating because I just wanted to learn more about myself and learn more about the people that are in the world of dating nowadays. And so, you know, I've had some bad experiences. I, I'm currently in the middle of a very good experience, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the future holds. <laughs> I'm just trusting God each day and praying for the best. So there are probably women that are listening and you've piqued their interest and they are probably struggling with the decision to leave their marriage, maybe a very difficult one because it's something that requires you to pull up your bootstraps and do some things. And it's very difficult, you know, when with the Christian culture, you know, you're taught stay in your marriage, stay in your marriage, no no matter what, somewhat. I think that women today are pushing the edge a little bit on that, Mm -hmm. you know, but in your situation, of course, there was validation and and that too. And so the question I have is what would you say to a woman today who is struggling with the decision or, you know, is on the fence? Should I stay? Should I leave? What would you say to that woman? Well, I would say you have to give yourself the grace to make that decision when you can make it without any regrets. And, and that's, easy to say and not easy to actually flesh out because you're probably going to have regrets anyway. Cause you know, I, I hated having to file for divorce. I, it's the last thing I wanted, yeah. but I also had a piece about it because I knew it's what I had to do. And I knew I had God's blessing, but, right. but I couldn't have done it any sooner. You know, like I can, it's easy to look back and go, well, I should have left 10 years ago. The first time that I knew he'd been unfaithful to me. Um, 
But then what good does that do? I wasn't ready to leave then. Yeah. I wasn't strong enough to leave then. Yeah. For whatever reason, it wasn't the right timing. And this was. And so you, you just have to know that when you know, you'll know. And if there's a way that it can be saved, then you should do that. But if you've been in a toxic pattern for 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years, what is the reality here? What is the what is the possibility of change? Is, I mean, they say the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. That was the story of my marriage. Like, that's what I did. Right. <laughs> and so don't do that, you know. But so if there's things changing that leads you to believe that things can improve and get better, by all means, fight for it. Absolutely. It's yeah. worth it. Get with the Lord and make sure of where he wants you to be. And, and the most crucial part of my recovery came by just being immersed in trauma-informed Christian counseling. And I saw a lot of different counselors over the 10 years that I was going, but the ones that really made the biggest difference for me were the ones that had not only the Christian heart and spiritual mindset to the Christian worldview to speak truth into my life, they also had the the secular training in psychology to help me to understand, you know, the patterns of these types of relationships and personality disorder and to just understand the forces against me. And so the the key things I think I really learned, and that came both from my trauma-informed counselor, which was Dr. Chris Cornine at Diakonos Counseling, but also from Sheila Benzon, at uh, Living Foundation Ministries under the leadership of Dr. Chuck Lynch. And they taught me about biblical forgiveness and about what they call circles of responsibility that I will never forget because she actually had three hula hoops in her office and she would always use this illustration whenever I was trying to own something that wasn't mine and fix something that wasn't mine. She would show me the three hoops. One is me, one is God, and one is the other person. And we each have our responsibility for, you know, our actions, our thoughts, our beliefs, our whatever, our words. And I can't take responsibility for someone else's and God won't take responsibility for someone else's. And so there's no overlap with those three circles of responsibility. And that image stays in my mind. So when I realize I'm trying to fix someone because I just want healing for them, I I have to step back and go, wait, that's not me. That's not my responsibility. I have to take care of me. And so that was a a critical part of it. And then boundaries, obviously, learning Mm -hmm. about, you know, Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. His books and uh, our former guest, Shay Sparks, talked about that. Yeah. That's been a huge piece of my healing. And, And Dr. Cloud has also written a book on dating which I just learned about last summer um, from the Abundant Life Counseling Ministry. And it's called How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. Mm -hmm. And it is not like most dating books, like not that I've read a lot of dating books, but it was not at all what I expected. And Mm -hmm. so if you're getting into the dating world, I would definitely recommend that book because it will change the way you look at dating together. (laughs) Cool. Well, you answered my next question in that question. So that's cool. So, um, just now in closing, um, I wanted to share with you ladies that are listening today, know that you're not alone in your struggles. Um, you can hear what Annie has shared and, you know, it's, I think 
hopefully an encouragement to you to listen to her story and what brought her to what she's doing today in uh, her consulting work. God does love each and every one of you, and he does have a divine purpose and plan for your life. And please remember that. And um, Annie, if a woman wanted to reach out to you directly, are you okay with that? And if uh, they need to, how could they get a hold of you? I would very much welcome that. I love um, talking with women and helping them through their stories, wherever they're at in the story. I, I've talked to dozens of women who have been or are in situations that I've been in. And and I feel like that's the calling that God has given me is to help other women through this. And so, and I, I love to offer people hope because there is hope. I mean, I, I look back and I think how much I wanted to try to have a ministry with my ex. And I just prayed for that all the time with God because I felt this calling and I knew I was supposed to be serving God, but it was never intended to be with him. Mm-hmm. It was, he was using all of that so that I could have this ministry now. So yes, definitely. You can call me 816-456-4919. You can text that number. You can email me at, uh, my email is at home with Annie at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you again, Annie Allen, for joining us today. We will talk later. Goodbye, everyone. God bless. And until next time, be healed, be heard. Bye-bye. Altered Stories is a new ministry, and if you enjoyed today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of everyday women, too. So why don't you share the link to our website, alteredstories.org. Share it on your social media. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in financially supporting this outreach. To find out more, just log on to alteredstories.org. That's alteredstories.org.